Inside Rangi Atea Church, Dr. Rangi Nikusen talks about Whakatipuranga Ruamano Generation 2000 to build capacity of iwi in the wider Wellington region. Uh, certainly here in Otaki, uh, in the mid-70s, uh, it was very clear that, that the number of young people who were speaking te reo uh, was a very, very small. In fact, uh, you could number those people on one hand. And so uh, when Uncle Whatarangi Winiata came back from overseas and set up a 25-year uh, program for uh, the Confederation of Ngāti Raukawa, Ngāti Toa and Te Atiawa, uh, that uh, program, Whakatupuranga Ruamano, uh, had as part of its uh, the revitalisation of, of Te Reo Māori. Composer Rob Ruha was raised in the Māori language. He's written songs for several kapahaka groups over the years, and it's only in the last five that he is able to work as a full-time musician. Rob, who picked up four awards at last weekend's Waiata Māori Music Awards, is a fluent speaker of Te Reo Māori. Ko te reo Māori te reo tūtai. I speak um, Māori, te reo Māori as a first language, and, and so, so does my whole household. Um, yeah, it, it, it is really by just speaking drill all the time so that when, you know, everything that you you think about, you think about it in your own language first, I guess. Dr Rangi and Rob Ruha both forged career pathways in the language, one in education and in religion, and the other a career in composition and music. <laughs> This is Tiahika on RNZ National. I'm Justine Murray. Reverend Dr. Rangi Nicholson was born in Levin. He is Ngāti Raukawa Kitio o Te Tonga, Ngāti Tuarangatira and Ngaitahu. As a member of the Te Reo Māori Society, his role leading up to the petition was the group's publicist. He's led a pretty colourful life as a student, teacher and Anglican leader. In 1959, Dr. Rangi and his family moved to Christchurch. He describes it as feeling like he was anchored off the coast of England. When he was 17 years old, he did some research into his background and found out some interesting iwi connections. My, my mother's uh, whanau is Pākehā. My great-great-grandfather uh, arrived in the early 1830s uh, as a missionary in the Hokianga. And uh, he was there when the Treaty of Waitangi came around from Paihia to Hokianga mm. uh, in, in 1840. So uh, he's kind of, his signature uh, is there as a witness to the treaty. So I'm passionate about, uh, about the treaty and believe that those of us who are descendants of, of uh, treaty signatories uh, have uh, a special... Uh, special responsibilities uh, around mm. the treaty. So, yeah. how did how were you exposed to Māori culture, uh, language in particular, and, and also religion? Uh, certainly, uh, my father was brought up 
uh, by his grandparents in a in a home um, that uh, where karakia was said daily. Uh, the minister from the Rangiatea Māori Church in Ōtaki, in Ōtaki yes. um, uh, would come up to take services at our family uh, homestead on the farm. And so my father was exposed to, uh, to all of that um, uh, growing up. I had very little exposure um, to, to te reo. I, I went to Canterbury University in 1970 and joined up with the Māori club there. It was then that I you know, started to become a lot more aware of um, reo and, uh, and tikanga. Um, certainly um, my father was brought up by his grandparents and so he knew all about manaakitanga, Although we were the only Māori whānau in, the, in almost the entire suburb, this new suburb in Christchurch, uh, I knew that we were different. Um, so certainly, you know, I was brought up with tikanga, but no real in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I arrived at Victoria University in 1971, and my, the sum total of my Māori was uh, kia ora and tahirua torifa. In the early 1970s, Dr Rangi joined the Te Reo Māori Society, a group of students learning the language with educationalist Koro Dews. The Society led the charge for the Māori language petition in Wellington and Ngā Tamatua in Auckland. The goal was for the language to be taught in schools. Rangi's role was all about gaining exposure. I guess what I brought was... uh, 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 to the group was uh, an awareness of the importance of media. Uh, I had been involved uh, in 1970 uh, with the Save to Wai Ponamu Māori Girls College campaign. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that that college was about to be closed by the Anglican Church, and uh, a number of us uh, felt that that was unacceptable. Uh, and uh, we managed to persuade uh, church authorities to uh, to keep the college uh, open. Uh, I brought that sort of initial experience. Now, um, bearing in mind, of course, that I was only 18, uh, that petition and the presentation, uh, my position uh, was National Publicity Officer. So my job was to go around the the newspapers and... and uh, Oh, Radio New Zealand, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think it was NZBC then. Yes, um, it was. And some people have said to me, you know, because I've looked at that, that that photograph that was taken on the on the steps of Parliament. I don't know if you've seen it. I have seen that. Um, and my my job was to make sure that all the media were present to capture that. I'm, I'm just thinking, Dungy, when you were essentially doing the media calls, um, you know, what happens these days is they, you know, you kind of pitch an idea or tell journalists a story. Yes. Had, was there buy-in to the petition? Uh, my um, recollection is that uh, the media were generally um, quite sympathetic. You know, I mean, what we were asking for, you know, even the politicians, and that included the National Party and Labour Party politicians, you know, felt it was it, it was reasonable to ask for Maori language to be taught in schools. This was not something that was you know um, out, outrageous, and most 
Well, I can't even recall a, an exception, actually. Um, uh, all the journalists and media people that, that I spoke to were, um, were sympathetic and, uh, and quite supportive. The Te Reo Māori Society and Ngā Tamatoa presented that petition 46 years ago on the steps of Parliament, which led to the formation of Māori-language-driven institutions. Dr Rangi left Victoria University and filled a need for more Māori teachers. Well, I had majored in, uh, in Te Reo Māori and Linguistics, uh, or, or English Language, at, uh, at uh, Victoria and I was well aware uh, that there was a shortage of Māori language teachers. And so uh, I left and went to Auckland Secondary Teachers College and trained uh, as a high school teacher, spent one year there, and then I was appointed to a position at Wainiomata College, and I taught te reo Māori to uh, the fifth form uh, and English, uh, to the seventh form. You talked about your great-great-grandfather was a missionary in the Hokianga. Mm. So there is that link, that hononga, to religion. Um, you yourself are a reverend. Can you talk about uh, when you were first uh, ordained and how religion became a part of your life? Well, uh, on both sides, on both my Māori and Pākehā sides, there's a respect for, uh, for spirituality. Uh, uh, on my Pākehā side, uh, my great-great-grandfather, uh, uh, the Reverend uh, William Woon, who came from Cornwall, with his uh, wife uh, Jane, uh, who was also uh, a missionary. Of course, when they arrived here, they had to learn uh, te reo, and uh, uh, the contribution that my uh, uh, great-great-grandfather made was that he was a printer by trade. So he was actually involved in the very early printing uh, of, uh, uh, of scriptures and so on um, by the uh, Wesleyan Church. He was a, a Wesleyan uh, missionary. Uh, and te reo Māori, of course, well, he had, had to learn te reo Māori. His son, my great-grandfather, was a resident magistrate on the Whanganui River, and oh he also had to uh, learn te reo. On my father's side uh, were mihingare or Anglican. They were, of course, exposed to the teachings of uh, the early missionaries, the, uh, the Reverend Octavius uh, Hadfield, uh, based in, in Waikanae and then uh, Otaki. And it's here in Ōtaki that I meet Dr Rangi at Rangi Atea Church, built in 1844. An arson attack destroyed the building in 1995, but it was rebuilt eight years later. No mai haramai ki te karakia o Rangi Atea. Kia ora. This whare obviously steeped in a lot of history um, for the Ōtaki people here. Can you just give a, a background about this whare karakia, please? Um, sure. Mātine te whiwhi and Tamihana te Rauparaha, two young chiefs of Ngāti Raukawa and Ngāti Toa, Rangatira, left uh, Ōtaki in the 1840s and went up to the Bay of Islands. And they went there to seek uh, a missionary. And to cut a long story short, that missionary 
Octavius, the Reverend Octavius Hadfield came uh, down here, uh, and he was encouraged by Te Rauparaha, as were, was the whole of the uh, iwi, uh, to build this, uh, this church. This is still an active um, church in terms of services? Uh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. We, uh, this is a, a church, an Anglican church, Tahahi Mihingare, uh, and we follow a, a, a prayer book which has uh, services which are conduct, can be conducted uh, almost entirely in Māori. In reality, they, they, they are bilingual, so we have the, the Reo Rua bilingual services that we're able to offer here. I ask him about Māori language learning in the Ōtaki region and the insight of local iwi to increase capacity. Uh, certainly here in Ōtaki, in the mid-70s, uh, it was very clear that, that the number of young people who were speaking te reo uh, was a very, very small. In fact, you could number uh, those people on one hand. And so when... Uncle Whatarangi Winiata came back from overseas and set up a 25-year uh, program for uh, the Confederation of Ngāti Raukoa, Ngāti Toa and Te Atiawa. Uh, that uh, program, Whakatupuranga Ruamano, uh, had as part of its aims to uh, the revitalisation of, of Te Reo Māori. It acknowledged Te Reo as, as a taonga that was endangered and that uh, something needed uh, to happen to revitalise that taonga. In the year 2000, Dr Rangi's topic of research for his master's thesis, Heitimatanga Kōrero, Māori Language Regenesis and the Mihingare Clergy, looked at the role of the Anglican faith and their service to the language over time. Uh, I went with my tape recorder and interviewed 25 of the most uh, influential and senior decision makers in the Anglican Church and asked them about policy, uh, which had been placed for about 20 years, to see what, you know, what had happened and what the situation was today. Uh, and I looked at that policy analysis and practice information uh, through a couple of lenses, one a contemporary Māori theological lens and the other lens was a bicultural treaty uh, lens. And I discovered that the church had many aspirations for te reo in the 80s, um, but we have some way to go yet in reaching all those aspirations. So I brought together in that thesis, in the, my doctoral thesis, my sort of two passions, one for the revitalisation or regenesis of te reo, and, uh, and my other passion, of course, is for the gospel. So with Mahuru Māori, as it's been coined, um, Mahuru to mean September or Māori language month, mm-hmm. today's landscape with technology and young people speaking Māori and learning it at Whare Wananga, do you have that sense, that confidence? Well, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm really hopeful uh, that we can, uh, with careful policy making, program design, and uh, and appropriate resourcing, that we can uh, accelerate 
the return of Tyrrell to the home. That is absolutely critical. And just not only isolated homes, but Māori-speaking villages or Māori-speaking communities. That's really critical because we have to pass on Tyrrell from one generation to another. How naturally it can occur in the home. Kia ora, Reverend Dr. Rangi Nicholson. Hemihi mai o hatine kia kwe, hemihi ano tine kito mahi he hapaitia itere orangatira. Rob Ruha's career has gone from strength to strength in only the last five years. Perhaps the career transition was made easy. He went from composing songs for Kapahaka groups to producing songs in the studio. Encouraged by his friends Macy Ricker and Rhea Hall to get into the music business, it paid off last weekend. Rob scored big at the Waiatamari Music Awards in Hastings in four categories. Best Male Artist, Best Traditional Album for Survivance, Best Urban Artist and Best Song for Kalega. But perhaps beyond the accolades, international touring and music profile, Rob is ultimately passionate about his whānau, community and te reo Māori. How do you yeah. actually foster that reo? Yeah, it, it, it is really by just speaking te reo all the time so that when, you know, everything that you you think about, you think about it in your own language first, I guess. I, I, I dream in te reo Māori. <laughs> so I guess that's kind of like a sign too. It's just a, a keeping it a constant, um, constantly using it, constantly challenging yourself to find new ways and exciting ways of, of how to to use it, um, and using it every day, every day. I guess that's that's how you get there. That's how I got there. Um, and then surround, surrounding yourself uh, in a world um, that's just full of language and, and love for language, pursuit of language. Uh, making Te Reo Māori a compulsory subject. This has been a narrative for so many years now. Where, yeah. where do you stand on this, um, Rob? There's a there's a natural um, disdain for the word. Uh, uh, just like anything, it's a, it's a battle of semantics. My thing is it should be a core subject. Uh, it should be core. It should be fundamental. Those are the two words that I would use in terms of um, our language and its place. Uh, in our in our education system in our country, because for me those are the two fun. Te Reo Māori is the fundamental thing that makes us different from anywhere else in the world. It's an it's an identity. It's a trademark. It's a brand of Aotearoa New Zealand that exists nowhere else in the world in the galaxy but here. Um, so for me, it's 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 a plain thing of semantics. It it should be fundamental. It should be a core subject for everyone. You've been singing on a professional scale for for uh, not a long time, but it's definitely gone um, forward, and the trajectory of your career has gone quite um, fast, in my opinion. Yeah. So, when you when it comes to composing um, your way at the 
do you how is that process do you just sit down with a pad and a pen whenever it comes to you or how do you write Iroto Te Reo Māori most definitely agree I mean I've only really been um, enjoying a full-time music career for the last four years really before that it was Kapahaka, kapahaka, kapahaka. <laughs> but uh, in terms of my pre- my creative process, it can happen a thousand different ways. Um, but I guess the most uh, prevalent of all of those ways is just when when uh, when I get the inspiration to write, I follow it, and and it can be at four o'clock in the morning. I will wake up and I will uh, follow that tune and I will follow that idea and until it's. Uh, until I've spent all of the energy that I need to, I'm trying to capture it. Um, and then, um, then of course, um, when I'm ready, um, start workshopping that with some of my friends, some of my musician friends, and then um, get it to a space where I think it's ready to be released into the world, if I think it's ready to be released into the world. I mean, there's so many waiata that I've written. I was going to ask. That, that haven't seen the day of uh, the light of day, some of some of which my wife hasn't even heard. Wow. But, you know, sometimes when, when you're writing songs, they have a, a specific purpose. Um, and not all of them uh, are necessarily um, for the world to hear. Um, they can be fit to deal with things like uh, depression or someone passing away in your life or dealing with um, some not-so-good things mm. uh, in your life and mm. just putting it to pen and paper and putting a tune to it can help you heal um, through those kind of things. When you write in Te Reo Māori, you know, some say, you know, what is it? It's the kupu nui te kōrero, or yeah. the the horopaki, or the context of what you're writing. Do you yeah. derive your waiata from, well, obviously, events, environment? Where do you access your kupu? Do you have yeah. like a dictionary with you twenty four seven, or maybe maybe you are a walking you are a walking dictionary? And where did you learn these kupu? Uh, are they rohe or hapuri centric? The language that I, I predominantly use is from from my kainga, from, from Te Tairawhiti. I grew up, I was lucky to grow up in a, uh, uh, in a Māori-speaking community, and a, a lot of those words that I heard as a child um, have shaped me to the, the, the Tairawhiti child that uh, everyone knows um, through my music. Um, so I put all of that in. I'm also a kapahaka baby, um, and so a lot of the, the new words that I've learned over the years have come from haka, have come from our traditional chants, some, some of those chants over a thousand years old. There's karakia, so um, I access a lot of karakia words and, and phrases from karakias and put those into my songs as well. So kapahaka plays a huge part in terms of creating some, I guess, critical mass of words and phrases um, to use in my own composition. Wow, Kapai. Can you give us a, a kupu that you kind of lean towards um, quite a bit, uh, Rob? Any example of a, a kupu? That, Whoa! Mm. Example of a kupu? Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, what's what's in Tairawhiti? Well, kalega. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that that's actually kareka. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. But no, that, that's all. That's obviously the L word wasn't around, or you know. So is that just kind of like a, a modern day take on the kupu, or? Yeah, I'm not too sure if it's modern. Eh? Like um, our people uh, up home, we we have a huge tradition of of spinning words around and um, creating a whole heap of sounds 
like uh, um, with our words, and it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. Uh, Tweening Awa used to used to write it in her song in, in the thirties, and even before that, there's composers before that that used to do um, do that with lyrics in their song. And there's heaps of stories of Kaikororo um, on our marae back home on these coasts. Um, or people using that kind of pidgin Maori, I guess, uh, in, in some of their speak as in some of their speeches as code, as a code for um, for I don't know some of their messages that they might might have wanted to use, but only reach a certain uh, audience with those messages. <laughs> that is so interesting. And, and kalega is definitely one of those words. I mean, kalega. I grew up with kalega, thinking that everyone said kalega. Wasn't until I. <laughs> I, I released the song that I really quickly realised that it was it's pretty much only us from the coast <laughs> that take our letter. <laughs> Kia ora te whanau, ko Robru Hataku Ingoa, te mai te awahau nā Ngāti Pro me te whanau apanui whakapakeke. Engari nō ngā tōpito katoa o te ao, really. Engari pakeke mai au i te tairāwhiti, he te mai te awahau nā te tairāwhiti. Kia ora, singer-songwriter Rob Ruha. Kua tai mai ki te mutunga o te hōtaka nei, engari me huki mai koutou hei te rātapu e tū mai nei. Make sure to download the podcast of the show on iTunes or Spotify. Catch up on our previous episodes, rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, or you can get in touch via the email tiahika at radionz.co.nz. He mihi mahana tēnei kia koutou katoa, hei kōna mai.
Oh. Uh-huh.